Uh, greetings, brethren. We're having some, some technological problems, but I, I trust God that it will work out. Um, it's a privilege and honor to be in your presence this afternoon. There are quite a few of you that I know that uh, I've known for a while, and I'm honored to be here. I'm going to, to do this presentation together with my colleague. Uh, his name is Kitawi. He's Kenyan, Hegron Kitawi. Uh, he's uh, responsible for integral mission in Wild Reef, Kenya. He's a, a trained and ordained minister. <laughs> I know he's a pastor friend, in the, but he's, he's a very good friend of mine. As I as uh, already stated by the introducer, I work for World Relief, and I just want to give a very brief background um, to, to the organization that I work for. It's an organization that started a long time ago. Uh, it started soon after or during the Second World War. At that time, it was called World Relief because it was um, the relief and development arm of the Association of Evangelicals in the United States of America, trying to help people that were injured or had survived the uh, Second World War. But later it transitioned to become a community development organization. But the type of development that uh, this organization does happens through the local church. Um, we believe in the local church and um, our role is to, to, to make sure that the church is prepared to be able to be involved in any form of development, either in the community or in the urban setting. Uh, now this organization uh, works in um, over 25 countries worldwide. Uh, in Africa, we are operating in seven countries. Um, Sudan, South Sudan, Burundi, Kenya, Rwanda, Malawi, Mozambique, and Zambia. Um, we believe in the church. That's why our presentation this afternoon will focus on uh, what we have done with churches, especially in, in Rwanda. Our, focus, our case studies on Rwanda on the uh, rural development setting, but we also share a little bit about Kenya because we have just started work in, uh, in Nairobi uh, where the focus is empowering the urban churches to get involved in the needs, addressing the needs uh, of the people in the communities. I would like to start by looking at uh, the mission of our organization. Uh, our mission is to empower the local church to save the most vulnerable. And our vision is that uh, in community with the local church, we believe as an organization, or we want to envision the most, we envision the most vulnerable people in communities transformed holistically. Uh, that's what uh, we believe. And why do we use uh, the local church? We use the local church because the local church or the church has the largest participation. Uh, the, ch the church has the largest following worldwide. We believe in the church because the church, especially in this rural setting, has the simplest administration. There is very little bureaucracy if you want to work with the church. And uh, experience has shown that it's much quicker to work with the church. But it also has uh, the the, first, the fastest uh, proliferation. Uh, the church can, be, can go widely if prepared or empowered to do it. The church has the longest continuation. If we're talking about uh, uh, sustainability or continuation of activities that we start in communities, they can always continue for a while if you empower the local church. Uh, the local church has the strongest authorization. It's the uh, king and savior, Jesus Christ, who ordained the church uh, to be able to uh, save those that are most vulnerable. 
They, it has the highest motivation, but it also has uh, the widest distribution. For example, I'll give you an example of uh, one district where uh, we have worked before. It's a Karonji district in western Ru province of Rwanda. There are only f three hospitals. I'm emphasizing the point uh, that uh, if you work with the local church, you, are, you will be able to reach to most people in the quickest time possible. There are three hospitals. But if you look at the health centers, they have slightly more, next slide, uh, about 21 health centers. But if you want to use the church as a vehicle to reach that community, you find that they have over 400 Protestant and Catholic churches. So if you want to reach the community, the church is the way to go. Um, in terms of uh, approaches that I want us to talk about, we have what we call church empowerment zones uh, for the rural context. It can also work in, uh, in urban areas, but so far we have used it very much in the rural context. In urban context, we are piloting what we call love in the name of Christ or Love Inc. approach in Nairobi, which my friend uh, Kita will be able to share as we move on. What is an empowerment zone or church empowerment zone? In, uh, we call it CEZ mostly. It's uh, a geographical area. It, de it describes a geographical area where worldly focuses on empowering local churches from different denominations uh, so that once they are empowered, they are trained, they are equipped, they should be able to go and reach out in the community. Emphasis for us as an organization is to mobilize, to build the capacity, and to equip so that they go out and save. And the emphasis is also not to save their own, because one of the weaknesses that uh, has come out more regularly about the church is that uh, there's a tendency to save its own. But we always build in our training programs to emphasize the church to reach out to the most vulnerable outside their, the walls of their churches. And we also make sure that the zone, the description of the zone, fits within uh, government boundaries in each respective country so that there is a lot of uh, collaboration with government entities to be able to reach out to those that are most vulnerable in that geographical area. Our goal, or the goal in uh, using this model is to bring together churches in that particular geographical area, and they'll go through a process of training that will empower them to provide a sustainable uh, means to reach out to the community, but also to influence other churches around that particular CEZ to be able to see what is happening in that geographical area and be able to take whatever they see to the other communities. But also because we work with the denominations that may, might have churches in other areas, once they start seeing trends of change and transformation in one area, they have ended up moving to do the same or replicate the same in other geographical areas. These are our goals and outcomes, our objectives and our desired outcomes. We want to mobilize churches for unity and collaboration. One of the things that we are noticing in some areas where we work is that churches tend to be individualistic. Each denomination wants to make a name for itself by getting involved in certain areas of community development. But what we want to do is to bring those together, to bring those churches together and function as a body of Christ. We also want to promote holistic approach towards uh, reaching out the community. We want every need, if possible, be met in those communities. We want to equip them to oversee to start oversee and sustain ministries. Our aim from the beginning is to make sure that we don't stay in that particular geographical area for a long time. So 
as we go into a geographical area, our desire is that within five years, the church should really start uh, working on, on its own. We keep churches to reach out to the communities, as I already said, and want to build and the capacity for the church to be able to monitor their own work and be able to take it forward. I just want to quickly run through the uh, phases that we follow. We have three major phases, the mobilization and assessment phase, uh, church capacity building, as well as uh, sustainability, replication, and scalability. On the mobilization and assessment, the focus is bringing together churches, and this starts by working with even the national umbrella bodies or the national uh, leadership of those churches that we want to work with so that they are aware of what is happening. And if we get the blessing of working with the churches down on the ground in their communities in specific CZ, it works much better because they are aware of what is happening. And once mobilization takes place, we go through a process of uh, helping them understand why the church is unique and why God is expecting the church to be the light of the world. And there is a process of building, uh, of vision casting, calling the church to get involved in the great causes of the day. We have series of trainings that the churches go through to help them understand. Like there is worldview change training, there are several uh, training sessions on training for transformation. And once those processes are done, we go through a, an assessment process where we, we either do church capacity assessment, but as well as community need assessment. And that is done in collaboration with churches, as well as community leaders in areas where there is strong uh, community structure. Once that processes are, the first processes are done and churches are now available, they want to be engaged, we start the building capacity first. Church, uh, the capacity building first. Uh, that's where projects and ministries start developing out of the church. And depending on the needs and depending what, on what churches want to do in each geographical area, what we do is we provide technical assistance as an organization. So throughout the implementation phase, especially for the first two, three years, World Relief as an organization is highly involved because we want as much as possible to transfer uh, our roles and responsibilities to the communities. Uh, there is also high use of volunteers from the churches because as I said earlier on, the goal is to empower the pastors and, 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 and leaders in the communities as well as uh, members in the communities, in the churches to get involved in the communities. And because of that, there's a lot of volunteer Management. So there are also uh, specific tools that we use to train on, on volunteer management. There is also a development of um, structures within the church that would help in sustainability. For example, we have what we call interdenominational committees. In each CEZ or church empowerment zone, a committee emerges from different members, from different denominations, that takes the responsibility of running the community-based organizations that each geographical area has identified. That's a very, very wonderful structure that we have seen uh, in most areas that uh, if that structure is well prepared, if that structure uh, is well equipped, development in that uh, geographical area happens at a very fast rate and the results are tangible, but also the possibility of sustainability of the work and even starting new work in, in that particular geographical area uh, is, is obvious because once that structure understands, that structure continues to, to, to help the rest of the churches in that particular geographical area to get involved. Once we get through the training phases, we develop from churches outreach teams that uh, each church develops outreach teams that goes out to, to get involved in the community. Uh, I'll, 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 the next slide is um, 
it, it describes the whole structure that we use. But I just want to quickly run through that. The next phase is that uh, we want to ensure that uh, the, the churches, the church structures have reached the, a point where they can easily sustain the activities that uh, they have started, but also there is lubrication and scalability in, in the implementation, in the activities that have been suggested. So this is the, the, the structure that we use. When we get to a geographical area, all churches in that geographical area are brought together and uh, a training is conducted. Uh, the World Reef team, training team in each country gives that particular training. There is a vision seminar. Once that vision seminar is done, all the pastors will go back uh, to their congregations, select people from their congregations that will go through a series of trainings, TOT1, TOT2, TOT3. And once all those uh, uh, volunteers from churches are well equipped and and uh, managed, they will, they will be the ones that will go out and reach out in the community. So once we get to a point where they are, they are equipped in a specific area, for example, uh, I'll give an example of uh, one of the issues that we deal with more regularly, HIV and AIDS. Once they are trained, they will go out into the community and save. And for a, uh, next time, if there's another issue that emerges, they will also grow a, grow a, go through a process of empowerment, a process of training. Once they are trained in that specific area, they will go out and uh, save the community that, uh, uh, that, 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 that within the, the geographical area where they are. We have specific uh, uh, principles and practices that we want to emphasize in each geographical area where we work. We always want to emphasize that the church is the center. The church is a primary partner. So the church participates with other community structures in setting the agenda, in, also in planning, in design and implementation, as well as evaluation. As I said earlier on, we have the IDC that leads and coordinates the implementation of the activities. Much as we want the church to realize that the, folk, the church is the center, but our desire as an organization is, the church, is that the church should realize that uh, the community should be the focus. The impact of implementation of the church must be in the community because the church has been called to reach out to those that are in need. Empowerment and sustainability is also another uh, principle and practice that we want to emphasize because our role as an organization is facilitation. We believe that God did not call NGOs, God did not call community-based organization, God called the church to reach out to those that are in need. So as much as possible as an organization, our desire is within a shortest period of time, we should transfer our skills, our roles and our responsibilities to the community, to the church, so that the church moves forward in reaching out to those that are in need. In specific areas where there is need for, the, for them to concert us as an organization, we encourage them to do so. But also in our approach, we emphasize integration. We know a human being is a very complicated human being. You can't address the needs of a human being by specifying, uh, by specifically targeting one area. So our approach is integrated. We want as much as possible to reach the church to know that uh, it is important to reach all aspects of a person, the physical, the spiritual, and all aspects of the human person in the community. But we also want from the beginning that uh, quality and excellence is, is what is required. Most churches may not uh, reach out in, uh, or understand the importance of quality at the beginning, and it's not something that comes in within a very short period of time but it's, it's a practice, it's a principle that we want the church to understand from the beginning 
that it's important that work that happens in the community must be of high quality and must be excellent. As I said earlier on, our, my, our focus is on, on Rwanda on this presentation. In Rwanda, right now, we have uh, uh, four CEZs, and they are in four districts. And in each of all, all in each of the CEZs, as I said earlier on, it's integrated. We have activities in child development, we have activities in HIV and AIDS, which in our case, those are um, health and social development. We also have activities in economic empowerment, like what we call savings for life, which is uh, our vision of uh, 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 savings and loan association. We also have work on OVC, but we also provide water uh, to other communities. So in all those four geographical areas, we ensure that all those activities are integrated and that it's the church led by the IDC that is doing the work in the community. I, this slide just highlights the major interventions that we have at the moment in each of those uh, geographical areas. Back to the same slide. I, I don't want to emphasize on the actual interventions, but I want to emphasize the fact that for each one of those that we see, that we have together with the church developed specific curriculum that, we, that, the church, that the church volunteers and pastors use to go and reach out into the community. So there is a curriculum that would help churches to improve their Sunday schools. There's curriculum that uh, has been set aside to help kids' development uh, for the OVCs, for the early child development. For all those, there is a specific curriculum that we use, and that is the tool that we use to prepare volunteers that will go out to reach out in the communities. They don't just go there uh, without uh, material or equipment that they use. So there is curriculum that they use uh, to do that. And most of the curriculum that they use is, has also been developed in such a way that it is integrated with the Word of God. Those of you that have visited our booth, you will find out that we have materials that we use for young people called, for example, Choose, for, choose Life. When you go through it, you discover that uh, we are not just challenging young people uh, on life skills. We are also challenging them spiritually so that as they grow and develop, they understand and they grow holistically. The same thing applies to the curricula we use for uh, child development activities uh, for HIV and AIDS prevention. The, the materials that have been developed have been developed in such a way that they provide for uh, reaching out to each person holistically. My point is that much as we know that a combination of all these would lead to holistic um, approach in a community, but at the same time, we also want each one of those programs and projects should be able to uh, reach to the person that they are saving, both in word and, and, and in deed. Uh, for the past year, in Rwanda, we have engaged 245 local churches in four districts, and those churches have been organized in 10 IDCs. And it is those 10 IDCs that uh, right now, as I speak, they have already started moving to other uh, places, sometimes within the district, sometimes beyond the district, and they have started mobilizing other churches for... Uh, engagement. In, in our HIV and AIDS work, we have reached uh, over 10,000 beneficiaries. There is also work in child development, but also work in savings and loan, where about 15,000 beneficiaries have been reached uh, through the church. I would like at this time to ask my friend uh, Kitawi to continue by looking at uh, the model that we are developing or that has already started working in Kenya, uh, targeting the urban population. So thank you, Dennis. The model that uh, 
we, we are implementing as World Relief, as Dennis had mentioned, it is called Love in the Name of Christ, Love INC. And many people will say it is Love Incorporated. Someone said the other day it is Love Inc. That is the ink that writes the love. And I was like, wow, that's creative. But it is love in the name of Christ. And even before I go to, to this uh, slide, um, yesterday the bishop, Bishop uh, Oginde, who opened the session uh, in 2008, that's when we, we started mobilizing the, the churches in Nairobi. And uh, we just brought them together, several key pastors within the city, uh, asking them, is there a possibility that we can have a model that can be utilized amongst the churches and does not utilize funding from the West? It's just local funding. And one of the things that he said is, this model is long overdue. So from 2008, we've just been doing vision casting, and I'll just go straight. The mission of love in the name of Christ is to mobilize the local church to transform lives and communities in the name of Christ. So I'll just go ahead and unpack what this mission entails. So what is it to mobilize churches? Um, the, way world, uh, uh, the way Love Inc. works, and I'll, I will get into it, is uh, it is one step removed to the people that will be served, and then it utilizes volunteers. So we are not just talking about the clergy, but we are talking, when we talk of the church, we are talking of the people who sit in the pews. And then it Love Inc. coordinates, trains, and recruits, meaning little if any financial assistance to clients, and then it's, it, it's not a knee-jerk reaction. Because many times when, when I present to the churches, they tell me, in our area there are so many needs. You mean you're bringing an idea that will solve all our problems? And I tell them, no. What we are saying is, we, we will no longer be reacting as churches. We will now, we, we will, will now be very, very, very um, coordinated in what we do proactive. Yes, that's the word. Let's continue. What, is, what, do, what do we mean by transform lives? Is every person who passes through the hands of loving, and I'll be explaining how that is done, is to find, to work out a solution on how that will be done. And then it is Christians serving in a meaningful way that is sacrificial, communal, and rewarding. When I say this is we want to utilize everyone. Many times within a church, what happens is um, a pastor, and I'm a pastor myself, you will go for the people who will do the music, the ushers, maybe some people serving on the elders board. But what if there's someone sitting on the pew who maybe has skills as, he works every day as a HR officer. And you will be utilizing what they do in an everyday setting through the church, maybe meeting a group of people for two hours every Saturday. And this will come from different churches. And uh, then we'll be able to work with the church and the community so that we can transform. Then we do this in the name of Christ. And what, what does this mean? Everything we do and say is in the name of Christ. For example, I'll give, uh, I'll give an example. And I usually give this to, to pastors when I'm presenting. When we've built up this model, and one day, one person from Church A gives his pickup so that it can trans transport some donated items to, to, to someone who is needy. Is it okay for anyone to drive the pickup, or it is important 
that the person who drives the pickup is born again, is a believing Christian. Uh, since my time is short, I'll just go straight to the answer. Many pastors struggle. They say, you know, if you use an unbeliever, he may get to know the Lord because you're seeing the work. But we're saying, if we are Christian, then what it means that all the people we every every opportunity is an opportunity to evangelize. So we will go for the born again believe, uh, born again driver, because as he is offloading the donated goods, he'll also have an opportunity to share Christ with the the family, which or the person who has been given the donated goods. And we never know; they may not know Christ, and it's an opportunity for them to know Christ. But also, there is a huge uh, wave of, 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 of especially funding. When you receive funding from uh, a donor who, is not, who does not support Christian activities, you suddenly start deeming your Christian witness. But when we stick to this ideal that everything we do is in the name of Christ, then what it means is, even in terms of who donates, we start becoming choosy about it. Let's continue. So it's a body of Christ. That is local churches working together. If you remove the churches from loving, it will stop to exist. And it is a strategy to help congregations help the neighbors in need. Let's continue. So as I continue, you may start wondering, although I've not explained much, what is the difference between Love Inc. and an NGO? But typically what an NGO does is it will receive donations from our parachurch ministry. It will receive donations from, 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 from a grocery store, from the government, from even the churches. But it has already decided what it wants to do. So the organization usually is focused on need. And the goal is to meet or to supply a need. Next slide. So this is not loving. So what is loving? Loving is all the churches working together so that the, the person will be, will be served. And I, I put some points here. What loving is not. It is not an independent NGO that stands apart from Christian churches existing on its own with a mandate apart from the local churches. It's also not a missionary activity from United States or anywhere else. Uh, loving is not supported by funds from outside, specifically U.S. funds, but it is supported by local funds. Then it's an organization that incorporates, it, it's not an, an organization that incorporates any non-Christian faith body or church partner. And then it's, staffed, it's not staffed by anyone outside the zone. I'll be talking about the zones. And then it's a means to make Christian, it's not a means to make Christian churches alike. Let's continue. So it's churches which make loving. Without churches, there's no loving. Churches relate through loving, and churches mobilize through loving, and churches own loving. So, so far in Kenya, we, we use the gateways into the city for those who are familiar with Kenya. So, we have a zone within the Langata Road, we call it Karengata. So we mobilize the churches within that area. So we have another zone within the Ngong Road area. So there's a road uh, called Ngong, Ngong Road. We have a zone called Mombasa Road. And we have a zone called Thika Road. And we have a zone called Karura, Karura Zone, which is on Limuru Road. So the, the way the structure is, is first when we are mobilizing, we, we go to the churches. And uh, the, 
we work with the pastors, we explain to them what Love Inc. is, and they ask all the questions that they asked us. Uh, many of them were like, are you, are you coming to, one of the questions they ask us is, if you want us to work with the other churches, doesn't it mean that I'll be, uh, uh, when, when, we, when other churches interact with my church, then I will lose my people to the other church? And we say, no, 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 no. We hope this will not happen. But then the churches identify lay people. And these lay people form a board. And this board, because these are people with eight to five jobs, very busy professional people, they cannot go about the activities of building it and making it stand. So what they do is they employ an executive director. So the executive director, one of his jobs is to, to mobilize the churches, to work with the churches because it's the volunteers that we work with. So at the moment, we have pastors at the top and then who, who form a body, uh, um, the, we call it the Love Inc. National Organization and we as World Relief are working with that team at the top. And then within, and then we have a semi-autonomous uh, unit called the Zone. So the Karengata, the Ngongrod, the Mombasa Road, the Thika Road, and the Karura are all functioning. They have their own boards. They will employ their own executive director, and they will start focusing within that zone in mobilizing the churches within that zone. So what are the, some of the statistics so far? We have shared this idea with more than a thousand churches. We have active churches, uh, more than 150. We have boards, five of them. Of these five boards, three have already recruited an executive director and they already have sourced money from, from, from churches to pay the executive director for the next six months. And uh, we have a national advisory board composed of eight pastors from different um, denominations. So some of the achievements we have is each zone brings at least 10 churches just on, on the table and they are working together, meeting almost every month or more than, more than a month. And then this board is composed of lay people, as I've explained. And then three of the boards have already employed executive directors. And then the churches have committed to supporting the work of paying the executive director's salary. What this means is the board set up time with the churches, explain to them the idea of loving, and the churches write uh, checks to the, 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 the body so that now the work of mobilizing the churches can begin. Let's continue. Okay, yeah, what are the next steps? Uh, we'll be setting up clearing houses. And uh, I said this, um, because this is really the engine, and I'll, I'll, there's a diagram I'll be using, utilizing as I, I finish. Uh, they, are, they are setting up clearing houses, where um, setting up clearing houses, these clearing houses have not yet been set up. So the executive directors who have been recruited are the ones who are moving that agenda of setting up the clearing houses. And then recruiting of executive directors for the two other zones, and then identifying areas of focus for each zone. Because what, this hap what happens is, it's, it's, it's not reactive, it's proactive. So one of the things that we did as World Relief was to do a needs assessment of each zone. And uh, we present the findings of this needs assessment to the board and the board will now analyze which is the area that they can focus on 
so that they can start uh, an area of mit mitigation. So this, this is what will be happening. And then they'll be going to the churches and recruiting volunteers or just setting up a record of, of volunteers who can serve in the different areas that they have identified. I have not yet finished. Um, and then they'll be engaging of the volunteers to serve in these areas that they have identified. Then we, we continue to sell the vision of love in the name of Christ because not many of, uh, of people have heard about loving. In fact, even for here, I'll ask how many had heard about loving before today when I've been presenting by a show of hands, especially for those who are Kenyans. At least I have one person too. So it's not many people who have heard about loving. So we'll continue selling the vision of loving. And then we'll start at least one new zone and God willing, we will be starting it in the Eastlands area. So what happens when there's no love ink, which is coordinating the churches? You can see the lines that are reaching each church. We have church one, maybe doing budget counseling because ministries are already going in the churches. So when we talk about loving, we are not saying churches are not doing the work. No, they are doing a lot. In fact, when we did the needs assessment of, all the, of, of the results of all the zones that came, more than 97% of churches are doing something to serve the people. So there's, uh, they're, they're giving food, some of them help with housing, and, and we also get uh, agencies, that is NGOs. Some of them do job placement or legal services. But you can see the lines. Some of them are connected, some people are moving. But what happens when we have Lavink at the center? So what we have is Lavink. And I said I'll explain what uh, a clearing house is about. A clearing house, just like uh, those who are familiar with banking, they also use the term clearing house. And this is a place where all the checks from different, uh, which have been written for different uh, banks, are sorted out and then money is delivered to the respective banks. So think of uh, Love Inc. as a clearing house and the banks as the churches. So what happens is they will still continue doing their ministry, but then there will be someone at the center who is helping them so that they can be coordinated. For those who are pastors here, or even I know you work in churches, we have people who are continue, have continuously look for, for needs. They'll move from one church and they know this church helps in this way, and they'll go to this other church and they know this church helps in this way. But one of the things that the clearing house will do is have a database. The other thing that they will do is verification of needs. So a, a system will be put in place so that within a zone, as you've seen, there are different zones, there'll be people who, people who come, all the information will go to a repository. So at the, at the moment, before it is very developed, you can even think of a clearing house as just someone working from a computer and having all this information. And then it is from this information that they can begin to help someone. For example, if a house burns down, we know of the several informal settlements that we have in Kenya, for example, Kibera. It may be made of iron sheets or uh, tin sheets. Um, the information will come to the clearing house. When it comes to the clearing house, the executive director has all these different churches. So because he has been able to assess the needs and the verification has already taken place, as we say, this is not a knee-jerk reaction. Um, a very keen assessment will be done. One church may give 
the, the tin sheets, another one may give some timber, another one may give some cement, another one will be mobilized for volunteers. So even small churches are able to be part of loving. And uh, maybe there's an uh, NGO which can provide counseling. So all of them will, will be coordinated from the center and uh, the family will be supported. And it will not be a one-time effort. Um, it is holistic, meaning we, we want to support that family until they can stand on their two feet. So it's not a one-time because we have a huge uh, supply of, of, uh, of resources, human and, 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 and material, from the churches that we can call on to. And that is what the urban model that World Relief is implementing for, for, for supporting the needy. So our loving scripture is, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. I want to conclude by saying that uh, there are always challenges in ministry. Some of the challenges we have experienced working with uh, churches so far is that uh, much as our goal is to emphasize on the body of Christ being the body of Christ that Christ expects, there's always lack of that unity on the ground because sometimes churches tend to focus on their own agenda as a, as a denomination or as a local congregation. So that, that has remained a challenge, but uh, with uh, a lot of engagement, uh, there's quite change, a change in most uh, areas. But there's also a tendency in some churches where instead of those that have been uh, mobilized as volunteers and trained to go and reach out to everyone in the community, some churches have ended up just reaching out to their own. We have also had difficulties, uh, sometimes securing funding from technical donors because uh, of number two, because they think if they give money to a church, a church is just going to focus um, on its own members. That's why earlier on on our principles, I emphasize that uh, much as this church is the center, the impact is, is, in, is in the community that they serve. Um, there have also been a lot of expectations from pastors and even some churches. Uh, for example, if you invite them for a training, they would expect to, to get allowances. Uh, that has been a big challenge in a lot of areas where we work. Um, what has made that, a, a chal that challenge even more is that uh, you know, we are not the same organization operating in that area. So there would be other organizations that are actually inviting the same pastors for meetings and they give them allowances. So those are some of the challenges that we have uh, working with churches. But as we have been hearing throughout this period that um, the church is not perfect, it's growing, but uh, Jesus Christ gave the responsibility of reaching the whole person to the church. And um, I don't think at the time of Jesus, the church was perfect. Um, I just came from a presentation by uh, Dr. Peter, where we learned or we affirmed how even during the time of Jesus Christ, even his own disciples that walked with him for a number of years were imperfect. But the same people, when they were empowered and equipped, they ended up doing great and amazing things. So those are some of the challenges that we, ha we are having. Um, I would like also to finish by saying that uh, with a lot of effort and building the capacity of, church, of the churches to go and reach out in the communities, we are seeing some good results in, in the communities. I would like to share an example from um, uh, Rwanda, where after just doing an envisioning workshop with a number of churches, the emphasis was that to use locally available resources to reach out to their people in the community. 
One church came out and said, we don't have anything. What are we going to use? But we keep, kept on challenging them. There is something in your community that you can use. So they went out in the community, uh, did what we call seed projects, identify a project that you can do within a month using available resources within the community. And this church identified two people that had just come from uh, Eastern Congo, uh, displaced because of the war. They needed homes, they needed houses. And one of the members in the church just realized, we can mold bricks and build a home for these people. And the mobilized members built a home. These two people had a home. All these resources came from the local church. But at the end of that project, they realized that there were people coming from outside because the area where this house was built, um, close to that area, there was uh, a, a volcanic eruption a, a few years ago and um, they don't even have soil that they can use, for example, to mold bricks like we do in rural areas. So people from that neighborhood are now coming to that church to buy bricks. And that church has ministries that have started within their church. They are now supporting orphans using resources that have come from their resources within the community. They have a ministry that is supporting women and, and men that are HIV positive, that are organized in a support group. So these are some of the, the good things that are there when the church starts becoming a church when the church realizes its role and responsibility uh, through engagement with organizations that are encouraging them to stand out and be the church. Uh, I would uh, take a few questions if, if we have. Uh, thank you for uh, being patient, especially that we started uh, with some uh, technological problems. But I will take a few questions or comments uh, should there be any comments and questions? Thank you.